Hey everyone, welcome to the Socially Sensitive Podcast. I'm your host, David. We're introducing a new segment called Socially Solo. I'll be releasing a daily podcast where I give you my two cents worth on a couple of trending topics of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into episode one. This is Socially Solo episode one. Past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of announcements that have been coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, 2022. There was a lot that happened as far as toys, comic books, movies, television shows, everything. More information just keeps coming out every day as people are breaking down everything that was released. Um, And I read an article the other day that was talking about uh, Disney, the Marvel, as far as the MCU, and how that plays for Disney. For Disney, their most profitable studio is Marvel right now. Kevin Feige, he's he's the president of Marvel Studios. He's the you know he's the primary producer of, of most of all the films in the MCU. And since 2008, when Iron Man debuted, I mean they've been dominating box office. Um, at the global box office, three of the top seven movies of all time are MCU films: Avengers: Endgame, Infinity War, and Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, Avengers Endgame is second only to Avatar, uh, which Avatar made $2.8 billion. Avengers Endgame made $2.79. Um, Infinity War made just over $2 billion. And Spider-Man No Way Home um, in 2021 has made just under $2 billion. But now, however, it seems that uh, Marvel Studios, according to this new Wall Street Journal article... While, you know, they're still releasing, you know, a lot of superhero films, and they're all still really popular, but they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars when they're compared to the previous releases, which we just mentioned. Um, Since Disney acquired Marvel in 2009, um, they've they've made 25 superhero films, and they've grossed over $25 billion worldwide. You know, one of the highest earning film studios in in Hollywood history. We said Avengers Endgame is Marvel's highest grossing movie of all time at $2.8 billion. And then they've made eight more movies that had topped all topped over a billion apiece. But since the beginning of 2021, um, the average global box office gross of those six films produced by Marvel has fallen to $773 million, which is half of what the average of the previous six films was. And according to Rotten Tomatoes, last six Marvel titles averaged 75% approval rating among the fans compared to 88.5 for the prior six. And the question is, you know, are the fans who have changed um, or is it Marvel Studios? And some people are, you know, are making claims that Marvel is becoming more woke um, and, you know, I've heard the term the MCU and people throw out the get woke, go broke. Disney and Marvel is far from going broke. Or could it come down to, you know, during the pandemic, the culture dramatically altered, you know, how Hollywood made movies, how the fans are viewing the movies. There's been a huge number that have shifted to offering streaming services you know, to fill to fill that void while people couldn't go out to the theaters um, during the COVID shutdown. You know, despite all those hardships, Marvel movies still arguably dominated the 21 box office, even if they didn't bring in the same numbers that they brought in in their, you know, earlier 
projects, earlier movies. Between Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures, they added, in 2021, they, the Black Widow came out in July. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings came out in September. Uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, came out in October. Um, Eternals was in November. And then Spider-Man No Way Home came, home, came out in December. Um, those five movies made $1.3 billion in North America. That is 30% of the movie theater tickets sales last year. And considering that there are over 400 movies total released at theaters last year, that's pretty impressive that uh, Disney and Marvel is still dominating. There's also another little article I read. <clears throat> it was in the Daily Mail, which the Daily Mail is a British you know, they're a daily newspaper and a news website published in London. The article was about um, these three women hikers. They strapped kitchen sinks to their back and then they climbed a mountain, this peak. It's called the Scaffold Pike. Um, it's a hiking trail. Yeah, these three women hikers, they scaled. It's England's highest peak with sinks tied to their back. They said they did it to raise money for the Northeast Domestic Abuse Charity Harbor. Um, and then they had the sinks painted with, you know, misogynistic slurs and sexist comments all over them. Yeah, they wanted to alleviate the stigma that women should be chained to the kitchen sink and, and challenge gender roles. Um, but is this actually bringing attention to an issue? Is it challenging anything? Making any cultural change or political change? Or are they just peacocking for attention, even though they don't understand the problem or have a solution? Instead, they can stand on their pedestal and be noticed, so they can claim that they're doing something. Like in the Tom McDonald's song lyrics, We think activism is Instagramming means and complaining. It's a problem when there's actually actions you could be taking. Like I said, this sounds more to me like somebody who wants to be seen as somebody who cares and are doing something. And I don't want to, you know, assign any intent on what their goals are. I don't know. I mean, the article wasn't, if you just take it on face value, they were out there to bring awareness. My question is, what is the awareness that they're bringing? I mean, what are they actually doing to help identify these problems and discuss solutions by just doing that? I mean, there's been an argument as far as pay gap, women inequality today. I mean, that's a whole different debate. What I, I mean, what I'm discussing now is mainly what what is the change that they're looking for by the actions that they took? I saw another article that broke down. Here's the stages to actually make change. Number one is you identify and define the problem. Number two is you use critical thinking during the process of problem solving. Number three is you apply critical thinking to the real world issues. Number four is you formulate possible solutions. Number five is you evaluate the possible solutions and how they may be effective. And just going by that, those five steps, I'm not sure what they did to, I mean, they didn't cross off any of those stages. Like I said, you can say they're bringing awareness to the problem. It's one of those things that it's been around long enough that either it is a problem or it isn't a problem. And just like most things that happen, most people have examined the facts and have fallen on one side or the other as to how they view 
the situation. So I think one of the key problems when getting started is, you know, is that we usually poorly define the problem. And most people don't want to discuss the stages like I, I listed to get to a solution. They only want to say that we need to have the solution with do, without doing any, you know, real work to get there. Um, but back to the, you know, the sink women, the hikers, what they're carrying. Are they protesting the kitchen sink stereotypes by reinforcing that same stereotype? I don't know how doing that is identifying a problem. I mean, some people still say that, yeah, the patriarchy still lives on. Um, in unequal wages, between males, females, that stop equal access to opportunities, failure to talk about women's achievements and accomplishments, um, unequal distribution of household tasks and defined gender roles. But my final question would be, if an individual identifies as non-binary, how do they fit in in this discussion in regards to the gender and gender roles discussed? But, I mean, I guess that's a debate for another time. Oh, well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Me six feet deep, they want me under the dirt, don't wanna let me breathe, they want my mama to hurt, they might know.